Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast Road to Resilience. For the next 30 minutes, we're discussing how you can build a resilient family and raise resilient children. You can actually train them to have mental toughness and overcome adversity. Here to give us all the details is Dr. Dennis Charney, the dean of the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, and his son, Dr. Alex Charney. Both are experts in psychiatry and neuroscience at Mount Sinai. They're giving us a firsthand account of how this can be done through their own story, and they'll talk about putting their resilience to use after Dean Charney nearly lost his life after a shooting. So first, I want to start by thanking you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. We want to talk about families and resilience. Here you are, a world-renowned researcher of resilience. Do you have a resilient family? Yes, I think so. And I think that's been proven in terms of what they've uh, had to deal with uh, throughout their life, including my own trauma. And Alex? I I hope I'm a resilient person. I hope in difficult times, other people can look to me and feel that um, I'm a steady presence. Are you resilient because of your dad? Yeah, I th- I think that uh, whatever resilience I have, I owe it to him. I think that yeah, you know, resilience is a uh, it's it's contagious. What makes your family resilient? I've tried to make my family resilient. What was important to me in um, in helping my my children be prepared for what life brings them, and as you know, everybody at some point in their life has to face uh, challenges, disappointment, death, uh, and so forth. And so, you know, how do you, the question is, you know, how do you prepare your children uh, for what will eventually happen to them? How can families be resilient? What I've learned from the research is that you can make people more resilient. That, uh, it's not just purely like a genetic feature, uh, that you can train yourself and you can... Uh, train family members, you can train your kids to be more resilient. And and you don't become more resilient by living uh, a stress-free life because then you're not prepared. There's a, a term called stress inoculation, which means that if you expose people uh, to manageable amounts of stress that they can handle and learn from, then over time, an individual can handle more and more stress. And you know the term we use is that you develop a psychological toolbox uh, based on those experiences where you, you're building your stress resilience so that when something really serious happens, you've got this psychological toolbox, which involves optimism and confidence and, um, and, and so forth, uh, to utilize when you're, you're faced with a serious uh, trauma. So that has implications on... On, on how you raise your children, you know, that you want to give them experiences that may be, you know, out of their comfort zone, that they may become confident that they can handle. And then you present them with another experience that, you know, might be out of their comfort zone and so on and so on. And so uh, eventually uh, they're prepared. And that's exactly what you did with your family. I try to. I'd say in the beginning, we would go on family trips. You know, we didn't go to the Bahamas uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, we would go uh, to national parks and hike and, and do really outdoor stuff. And I got great pleasure in doing that with my children. And sometimes they got great pleasure out of it, but, but you know, not always. But I, I thought it was important 
you know, for them to experience the outdoors and nature and pushing yourself. And with many of these trips, there's always a glitch, right? Something happens that challenges you. One story, you know, I, I have permission to tell is that, you know, one of my daughters uh, who, it always, you know, even when she was a young girl, took her a while to get used to new things. And so one time we, uh, you know, we were hiking in, in some national park and, and bad weather came in. We got a little bit lost. There was some wildlife she was afraid of. And so in front of everybody else, she said that she despised me, right? She said it like from her heart, you know, I despise you. But I never gave in to her. And, you know, now, you know, she's uh, a mother. She's faced tough things in her life. She's an outdoors woman. You know, where does she go in winter? She goes to Yellowstone. The experience of her gaining confidence when she was put in situations out of her comfort zone has made her an incredible woman. Now, you know, mother, professional. There was one time we were in Patagonia, Chile in Patagonia. There was one night where we're camping in a very remote part of a rainforest and the weather was horrendous. It was like an incredible thunderstorm. And you thought that the, uh, the lightning was like right there. And so I'm, I'm in a tent with my friend and Alex is um, in a tent by himself. And he put his tent up like way far away from us. And I'm thinking, where, where is he going? I thought that was great. We were all kind of scared in the tent. Like, I think the lightning's right up. And he, he went further away into the rainforest, you know, by himself. He just showed grace under pressure, which is one of my favorite, you know, quotes, a Hemingway quote. He just inherently showed that. And then I knew that he, um, whatever he did, he was going to be able to handle it. That was an analogy, but I knew that he had it in him to handle tough situations. You okay. put your kids in a number of challenging situations. Yeah. Does one situation that you put him in stand out to help him get to that point? Each one of these adds something to the toolbox, the psychological toolbox that, you know, be more resilient. And Alex, talk to us about an uncomfortable situation that really built that character in you that you can take away and say, you know, I'm resilient because of this. My dad posed the, the ultimate challenge to me growing up was he took me out of my comfort zone in the sense that we moved um, when I was 16 years old. Um, from the town where I grew up to um, to a different state. You know, for me that was that was like a life-changing event, um, where uh, you know I, I was basically put in a position to figure out how you're going to you know build a new life for yourself in a new place um, and be be very successful. We trained for a triathlon together. You know, I'd never done a triathlon, and I don't think he had either. Every weekend we would do really challenging, um, you know, bike rides, and, and we were, were both big guys, so we're pretty slow on our bikes. And we, would, you know, these these other bikers would zoom by us, and we would call them the bumblebees because, you know, they they just like flying by us, and, and you know, but it was it was, it's like humor in, in a challenging event in a challenging time. You know, we're 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 working our butts off, and these guys effortlessly fly past us. This is how we kind of you know, cope with the difficult scenario. And then during the race itself, you just kind of are constantly remembering all the times during your training of, of like when you, you know, you're throwing up because you would run so hard and 
you know, the, the, the challenging moments during the training process that get you through the, the event itself. See, that's analogous to becoming a more resilient person. So he, he recalled the training and that gave him confidence during the actual challenge of the event to get through it. That's what resilience training is all about, that you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and then when, and you get confidence, and then ultimately when you're faced with something really bad, you go back and recall that you were able to accomplish this something before and you can do it again. We were brothers, as opposed to you know, him being a son that I had to worry about. And then ultimately things changed because I got older and he got stronger. And, and so now he's looking out for me like, um, are you okay back there? <laughs> so that's been a unique relationship. How have things changed for you? It, it, you know, they haven't changed that much. He's gotten a little slower, but he's <laughs> one story that you know, kind of sums all up. We go, we go kayaking up this uh, this lake called the Lake Sebago up in um, Harriman State Park, and we go there you know, pretty much every weekend. And we we kayaking around this lake in a circle, you know, like like maniacs, like you know, we just keep going in a circle around this big lake. And yeah, I'm usually far ahead of him, but I just turn around, make sure he's still there. And like, I turn around one time, you know, it's probably a year or two ago, and he wasn't there. And I, I was like, he, he must have had a heart attack and be dead. Because like, if my dad is not, like, he doesn't stop. He's like, he's a machine. Um, he, he had stopped to help someone else who was in a boat and like, didn't know how to paddle. So yeah, he's gotten older and maybe a little bit slower, but he's, he's still as tough as he's always been. He's right, I'm slower. I used to beat him, but I'm still tough. But that's part of resilience. Even though it sounds weird, you know, that these kinds of life experiences, um, you know, putting yourself in some degree of, uh, of, of danger if something really bad happens, but uh, they prepare you for the, like the thing that happened, you know, to me, where it was really life threatening. But those prior experiences, when you're in a difficult situation and you have to be calm and you have to, you know, deal with it. Uh, helps you and it, it helped me and I've seen it in him so I know that he's prepared for whatever he will face in life because I've seen him in difficult situations and how he just inherently uh, reacts to it. What research is out there about building resilience for families? We've learned a, a couple of things uh, you know one is relates to uh, role models when you're hand have to handle a trauma, a disappointment, a grief in your life that usually the best, the, the way you uh, determine how to handle that, that it starts uh, you know, with a role model uh, or role models because there's no one person uh, that you can emulate totally. You know, so you, you want a, a different role models in your life. You know, how that actually works biologically um, it's still being determined, uh, but in part, it's related to memories, right? That you, you learn from your role models, they become memories uh, in your brain, and that you recall those memories when you're facing, uh, you know, something uh, traumatic. And th those memories will stay with you uh, forever. And so role models, in a way, are permanent. In, in your brain, even if the individuals that influenced you are no longer with you. You'll see re resilient families, resilient communities, 
even resilient cities. You know, and the question is, well, how do you how do you build that kind of resilience? And when it comes to the uh, families, in many cases, your uh, your parents, your grandparents, and can can be role models as you yourself uh, grow up. So you can see resilience get transmitted, you know, through uh, generations. In our family, uh, my my grandparents uh, came uh, from uh, Russia and and Austria. One of my grandparents uh, had sixth grade education and um, was a butcher. My other grandparent uh, had very little education and was a uh, had a small grocery shop. So that's just two generations ago from me. And then my father goes to a city college, you know, for free. I uh, also had the GI Bill. And then and then there's me and I become a dean. But they were incredibly resilient, you know, individuals. And they were role models um, for my father and then for me. So, you know, that's one way of thinking about how role models can be important within a family. And then you, in turn, became a role model for your own son. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think passing down the the philosophies of you know hard work and um, you know optimism and and just you know trying your best through you know, these are these are values that are are generally shared through throughout a family. And you know the the concept of what is a family, what brings people together. It's not just your shared DNA. It's a, a shared common set of values. Um, and definitely in 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 our family. It, the values of hard work and um, you know not taking any for, anything for granted and uh, persevering through through difficult times are, are values that are are kind of shared amongst everyone and, and their importance then is, is solidified over time. When did you realize that your father was your role model? And when I got to college and I had to start making decisions about my professional future and uh, you know how I was going to you know live independently and who I was going to be, uh, then I really started think you know i became very conscious of how much of, of a role model my dad was for me why is he a role model he dr always drove home the importance of resilience through his research the values of maintaining composure under pressure and persevering through difficult times i mean th these were things that he he really um emphasized to us how has he helped you personally as a role model i remember one time that that stands out where I was really struck by my father's commitment to, to, to being there for me, which is in, which is related to him being a role model for me, where I was in a band in college and I was probably a sophomore in college and we were playing at CBGB's, which was a, a famous music venue in, in Manhattan in the Lower East Side, which, which since is closed. And we're, we're, me and the guys in my band were super excited. We were playing at, you know, we were playing at CBGB's in New York City. This was like a dream come true. And, uh, of course, it was like a Wednesday night, and the and it was empty. There was like two people in there, um, and the two people who were there were my dad and his uh, his his assistant D Doreen. And I remember thinking, when I was on, on stage. Here I am on 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 the stage at CBGB's in a plane to an empty room, and the only person there was my dad. Yeah, you know, which which to me was like this guy is like always going to be there for me, no matter what I'm doing. And how was the show? How'd he do? Average. That was awesome. <laughs> the message here also is that it's generational because he will do anything for his sisters, his mother, my brother, you know, uh, and so forth. So, you know, when you can 
pass on, you know, those values, uh, it, it lives for, for a long time. It goes through generations in, in your family, and then it impacts so many other, you know, people. So resilience, this is something that can be learned. Absolutely. There's somewhat a genetic on how somebody can handle stress, but more importantly, it's your your experiences throughout your life. All of this came into play for the Charney family the morning of August 29, 2016. That's when Dr. Dennis Charney was shot more than a dozen times in a restaurant parking lot after picking up breakfast on his way to work. A researcher who he fired seven years prior for manipulating data carefully planned the attack that nearly ended his life. We have talked about your father's shooting during the first two episodes. Where were you when you got that call? Uh, I was sleeping. It was um, just a weekday morning. The call in the, the morning, he got shot from my mother. It was around 7.30 in the morning. Uh, Daddy's been shot. And she's hysterical. I just hailed a cab. You, you snap into action and you, you stay calm. And having a role model in that situation is, is critical because you're able to to act and to be be successful in that time when that's when you're facing the, when you're facing trauma yourself, um, and so I think in that respect, role models are always with you even when you're not conscious of it. Go into more detail. How did him being a role model help you through that time? I was in the cab, and then my sister called me and said, "Why'd you leave the city without me? You can turn around, and come back, and get me." So I turned around, went back, and got her. The two of us. Um, and she also is, is, looks up to my father a great deal as, as a role model, and she's resilient herself. She and I were, um, we weren't panicking in the cab. We were calling people. So who do we need to call? She, I, I believe she was calling my uncle um, and letting him know what was going on, telling him he should, he should get in the car and come, come to the hospital. Um, I was calling uh, Ken Davis and Eric Nessler to let them know that um, something was wrong. My dad had been shot. We don't know if someone's, if it was targeted or not, they should be careful for themselves because they're also leaders of Mount Sinai. These are the things I'm sure my dad would want us to be doing in that situation. What is it like to go through something like that to almost lose your role model? When I got to the hospital, I think I told my dad, you know, I'm really grateful for our relationship. Um, but I, but I, you, you don't, I don't take it for granted on a day-to-day -day basis. So I remember feeling like, you know, even though I, I was certain that he was, I was, I was really confident he was going to be okay. You know, there's this element that if, if something were to happen and he were to pass away, I would feel like, you know, we, I had no regrets that I didn't left anything unsaid. We, we got the most out of um, our time together. When you were there, how did you stay resilient? I drew upon the, the opportunity to be resilient, to, to go through an experience like that with your dad um, when you've been on these trips, you know, kind of mimicking or, you know, creating these mock scenarios of opportunities to be resilient, uh, here was the real thing. And uh, so, so I think to both of us, it was, it was a chance to face a difficult time with, uh, you know, with courage and strength and, and do the best you can to get through it okay. As, you know, as Alex described, you know, his reaction and the reaction of others was, okay, something bad happened. But I'm going to have to stay calm. Uh, I'm going to have to make good decisions. Uh, I'm going to have to support other, you know, people. I'm going to have to support the trauma, you know, victim. Dean Tarney, who are your role models? When it came to trauma, uh, 
I called upon the people that I met along the way in my studies of resilience. You know, for example, uh, the POWs who I got to know, you know, they were in prison for six to eight years and were heavily traumatized and tortured. And whereas my own experience was a single event. So I figured, gee, if they can get through six to eight years, I can get through this single event. And so how critical have role models been to your recovery and resilience? Indispensable. So resilience has been key to your recovery for you and your entire family. We talked about what it's like to almost lose a role model. But Alex, after your father was shot, one of your role models, Dr. Pamela Sklar, passed away after losing her battle with cancer. Dr. Pamela Sklar, she was an outstanding scientist, a researcher of psychiatry and genetics. Tell us more about her. I was actually a med student, and I was uh, on my psychiatry rotation, and I became very interested in schizophrenia. And uh, Pamela had just started, and she was uh, a world expert in the genetics of schizophrenia. Uh, so I, I met her and asked her if I could work with her. And uh, that was uh, the beginning of my relationship with her. And over the course of the next uh, seven years, um, she trained me uh, in terms of how to be a scientist, how to be a, a physician, a psychiatrist, and um, yeah, how to be um, a leader in science. What made her a role model? Uh, Pamela was a role model because, uh, for me, because she was um, unrelenting. She was uh, inspired by the goal that I had, uh, yeah, that I shared with her, which was to to develop new ways to to help people who are, who are suffering from mental illness. And she was just as passionate. When uh, I graduated from my PhD program, so it was about two months before she passed away. And uh, the, the, the mentors of PhD students typically will come onto the stage and do this ritual, they call it a hooding ceremony. The morning of that, the ceremony, someone just came and told me beforehand, you know, Pamela's too sick, she's not going to make it. Um, so um, the, this other person was going to do the, the hooding for me. You could see all the all the mentors on the stage, and she wasn't there. And uh, they called my name, and I walk on stage, and I, I turn around. Alexander William Charney will be hooded by Professor Pamela Sklar. And then there's Pamela, she's like... You know, kind of coming out from the back of the stage and barely able to walk. She put the thing on my neck and gave me a hug, and uh, she had to walk right off stage. She's she couldn't she couldn't stand that long. She was just really tough. My my father's the dean of the of the school where I trained, so he's on the stage too. And uh, you know, you walk across the stage and and you shake the dean's hand. and He whispered into my ear. And he said, "You know, never forget what Pamela did for you," and I won't. We've been talking about different resilience factors during this podcast series. Which factors did you put to use to deal with losing a mentor? Definitely um, having a role model. So, you know, that's a key in resilience is is having someone to model yourself after. You know, so when when you have someone who you can imagine in your head what they would be doing if they were in your shoes at that moment, it becomes much simpler because you just try and be that person. You just try and mimic them and model what you think they would be doing. And uh, you then become a model for the people around you. And they look to you 
for guidance and strength. When Pamela passed away, I uh, definitely relied on her as a role model and imagining what would she be doing if she was in my shoes and what would she want me to do if she was facing these circumstances. And I was, I constantly tried to uh, lean on that uh, to this day. Uh, just yesterday, I was facing circumstances and wondering what would Pamela want me to do right now? And what would Pamela do right now? And what you do in the, in the, moving forward is you say, okay, you know, what do we do now? You know, Pamela, Pamela wasn't finished. She left behind some of the biggest projects that in her career, she was just starting when she passed away. And no one could finish it better than us. We knew how to do them. She had trained us how to do them. It, you know, it really is an obligation for us to take advantage of that. We owe that to her. What advice do you have for other people who have lost role models? I think the, the most useful advice I can give is to draw on the qualities of that person who's lost your grieving uh, during your, your, your time of mourning. For me, that was really helpful. I, I, I drew on the qualities of my, my role model, my mentor, Pamela, to move forward. And the other piece of advice I would give is to, uh, to come together with the other people who were, uh, who were also, um, looking up to this person in a way like you. So in my case, that was my, my, my lab mates, the people who were also trained by, by Pamela. So it was important for us to come together and share those memories. And that, that was uh, what we did the day, the, the day after she passed away in her office. And we continue to do even now. You're proof that you can move on. You know, the, the, the general principles of, 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 of leading a resilient uh, life, I think apply, you know, th they're, if you can stay optimistic, you can keep an eye on the future. You can draw upon the strength of the people who you've looked up to and the people around you and have a good support system. You know, I think those are, those are guiding principles that can help you through any tough time, regardless of what it is. It's important for individuals, families, communities, cities, nations to be resilient because you're going to face some very uh, challenging uh, experiences in your life. I mean, we all do as individuals, as communities and so forth. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's part of life to work toward becoming more resilient. So the takeaway here is that you can train yourself and your family to do this. That's it for episode three of Road to Resilience. You don't want to miss our podcast next month, where we'll talk about how faith and spirituality can help you manage stress and get through life's greatest challenges. You can listen starting September 26th. Just head over to iTunes and subscribe.